Well, good morning. I'm glad you're excited. Listen, I, I, and maybe I'm just a little hypersensitive to this today because I've just come from somersault with screaming, wild, middle school, high school students. And in the worship service, it was hard to even get them quiet enough to, to, to hear the message. So you've got to understand the stark contrast when I come here and everybody's like, good morning, you know, because they're screaming, you know. So I'm going to try to act like an adult today since I haven't been doing that all week. It may be a little difficult. When you, when you hear Father's Day, when somebody, and I've been told this uh, all week, uh, somebody says, hey, happy Father's Day. I think not of me and my children. It automatically makes me think of my dad. I think it's interesting. They're telling me happy Father's Day because I'm a father, but it makes me automatically think of my daddy. And so uh, my daddy... Still lives in the family farm in Georgia, him and my mom. I've been married, I think, to be 51 years this year. But my dad is, I just remember him being such a hard worker when I was growing up. Um, We lived on a farm, and living on a farm is hard enough. But we lived on a farm that had chicken houses on it. And when people build chicken houses, a lot of times they'll have one or maybe two or three. Our farm had seven chicken houses on it. And so my dad worked really hard to keep that farm, the cows and, and the chicken houses up. But above and beyond that, my dad was a, a supervisor at a Wabco at a steel plant. And it wasn't odd for my dad to work 10, 12, 14 hours at the steel plant. And I remember as a little kid, us not getting to see dad much because he would come home. Mama used to tell us he would come home at night and he would change his clothes, go to the chicken house work all night, come back, change clothes, take a shower, and go back to work. And so you got to understand, I grew up with this dad that was an extremely hard worker. But not only was he a hard worker, he was very generous. You know, we would go out, daddy, we would plant an acre of tomatoes. Nobody in their right mind can eat an acre of tomatoes. I don't even like tomatoes, but I had to hoe tomatoes. When you have an acre of tomatoes, that's a lot of tomatoes to hoe and, and, and to pick tomatoes. But my daddy would plant you know, a whole half an acre of okra, you know, every child's worst nightmare. And, but I just remember, there's no way we could eat all this stuff. But you know what we would do? We would go out and we would pick all these vegetables and then we would drive around in our community knocking on doors saying, hey, we just brought you some tomatoes. Hey, we just brought you some okra. And as kids, daddy would give us a big bag to run up to the door, knock on the door, and we'd hand it to him and come back to But that was the way my dad worked. He, he didn't just think about himself. He, he liked to give things to other people. Um, so he's a very generous dad. Uh, he spent a lot of time with us, taking us uh, hunting. And I, I remember the, my first squirrel hunt. I, I, I wasn't my first one, but I just, my first recollection is daddy holding the gun and aiming it and me pulling the trigger and then getting all excited because we killed a poor innocent squirrel. Um, right? Some of you guys are probably sensitive to that. I understand. It, it tasted good, though. Uh, so I remember Daddy spent a lot of time with us. As a matter of fact, in football, from the time I was five years old playing football all the way through college, I don't remember my dad missing a game. I mean, we would travel states away. Uh, Daddy would be there. When, we'd, when I'd come running out, I knew my dad was in the stand. Uh, Daddy was always there for us um, and very proud of us. Never had a key to my front door. Our doors never had locks on them, but I was never scared. Um, because I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't know of anything that could have, have gotten to us through my dad. just couldn't happen. 
Um, so I felt very protected. Now, my dad's not perfect, okay? He's very stubborn, right? I, I take after my mom, as you know. He's very stubborn. Um, and I remember as a kid, Daddy, if, Daddy, if Daddy just got it in his mind something, it was, it was just it. You forget it. But I remember, I don't know what he was mad at Mama about, but I just remember he wasn't eating. He wasn't going to eat. He done made up his mind he wasn't eating supper, and you, could, you couldn't force feed him if he said, thought that, you know. But Mom fixed him a plate, and she'd come in there with his plate, and he, didn't, he wouldn't even look at her, so he, he went back in. She'd come back in with the plate a little bit later, and we're all sitting there. You know, we're little kids, and Mama tries to get him a plate, and he turns his head, and she just goes right in his lap. Because Mom ain't perfect either. But, but I remember his kids going, you know, but Daddy never even moved. I mean, He's pretty tough, but you don't, you didn't mess with mama. But, but you know, I also remember about my dad is daddy didn't warn us. See, stop that. Quit doing that. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to count to five. If I count to ten, you're not getting dessert. We didn't get, we didn't do that. You know, there wasn't all that count and all that. It was like, he didn't, not a word, just the eyes down, snap of the finger. Because Daddy would go from zero to 90 in about two seconds. And so one minute you're fine and you're not obeying, and the next minute you're suffering consequences without even knowing it was coming, right? Um, and sometimes a little too much maybe. But I do remember this about Daddy, that I didn't, something I didn't understand until later, is that when I would get hurt, my dad would go into a fit of rage. And I say hurt, I was in the hospital a lot, getting stitches, broken bones, and a lot of times that was because of my brothers giving me stitches and broken bones. And, and I returned the favor. Okay. Um, but I remember Daddy would just get furiously mad like, like he was going to never seen him that mad. And I didn't realize he wasn't mad at me. He was mad because his child was hurt. Right. And I didn't understand that until Taylor was one years old. And somebody had made her this little stool with her name written on it. And it was sitting in the floor, and she's playing at one, and she stands on it, and she slips and falls, and boom, busts her lips, blood's flowing. And before I, you know, the, the Hulk rage came over, before I realized I'd ripped the thing apart, and it was in the backyard, you know? And then I'm like, what happened? What happened? Then I realized why my dad got mad when his children got hurt, you know? And uh, that's why I always say, you know, pity the fool that messes with my children, because when I wake up from what happens, they're probably not going to be, be around, right? Um, nobody better mess with my kids. But that was my dad. And when somebody says Happy Father's Day to me, I think about my dad. Do you do that? Anybody? Is that what you guys do or am I all alone in this? Yeah. Um, we think about our dads. Well, think about this, dads. How do your children see you? When your children think of you, what do they think? And it's interesting. Uh, Belle got into this kick where she would draw pictures of daddy as or mommy as. Well, I want to share a few of those pictures she drew. And if you can see them, it's kind of hard to say, well, this is daddy as four eyes on a lollipop. I'm not saying I understand her artistic genius. I'm just saying this is, (laughs) and what's the next one? This is daddy as a big funny face circle. All right, what's next? A blue toilet. This is daddy. I don't know if it's... the correlation of how much I'm in the bath, I don't know why she drew that, but that's daddy's blue toilet. That's me as a crying baby. I spent a lot of time as a crying. This is me as a finger. 
she's a genius, I know, but I just don't know what, what this is. All right, a hot pink marker. A hot pink, she's right over there, she's saying her artist work. Go, go ahead, what's the next one? You can't see this one, this, I'm a smush pancake with a mustache and a beard. And this is me as American Girl doll. Yeah, and this is my, I, this is Daddy as Belle's hand with painted fingernails. I didn't say I understood them all. But what do, you, what do your children see when they think of you? Because when, when I hear Daddy, I think of my dad. But when your children hear Daddy, they think of you. But what do they think? What is the picture that comes to their mind? What is truly the thing that they think about you? Because I'm going to tell you, one of the things that we fight against is some of the myths uh, that our society is putting out. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of myths out there about fathers. The first one is that fathers are optional equipment. Did you realize that the 20-somethings, okay? 20-year-olds today, there are more babies born to single moms in the, in the 20-year-old group than they are with moms that have dads or have husbands. And that's kind of a trend. There was, I remember watching an expose where they were talking about how young girls, they don't really want a boyfriend. They don't want a husband. They don't, they don't need a man. They just want a baby. Because a baby is going to love them unconditionally. And it's somebody that they can love and love them back. And they don't need a man. And that was kind of a big trend of these upward uh, 20-somethings. They want to have babies, but they just don't want fathers. They don't want dads to be there. They were seen as optional equipment. Another myth is that our culture values dads, that we're highly valued in our culture. But that's just not true. If you were to take a step outside of what we know and you just looked at our culture in this country, what view would you get of dads? If you looked at them, all you could look at is movies and TV and the news, and you got your understanding of American dads based on what you saw on media. We're not valued in, the me- in this culture, in this society. We're not valued. We've gone from father knows best to father doesn't matter. And the last one is this, is that as dads, we get feedback, instant feedback, for how we're doing as fathers. We get instant feedback that we should know how to self-correct because we're getting the feedback that we need. But we just, we don't get that, do we? A lot of times we father and we make decisions and we do things and we may not realize what we've done until it's too late and then we're going, oh, I'm sorry, right? And we're going to make mistakes and I understand that, but there's nothing that's given us perfect feedback. Well, this is one of those things that kind of struck me. And this past year for my birthday, I asked my children, they're really hard to see on the screen, but I asked my children to draw pictures for me. Draw a picture of one thing that you want dad to do more of and one thing you wish daddy would quit. Okay? And so they drew me some pictures. And I'll, let me share one real quick. This one is first. This is Belle. It's, there's some, like I said, they're really hard to see. But right before Belle drew, I went and drew the pictures, we were outside playing in the yard. And she got mad at daddy for something. I can't remember what it was. And she was stomping into the house to tell mommy. And I go, Belle, you know, squirt her with a water hose. Um, not the smartest dad moment, right? So when she wrote what she doesn't want daddy to do anymore, you can tell by the picture, right? She does not want her daddy to shoot her with a water gun anymore, right? What's the next one? 
This is the thing that she wanted. She wants Daddy to swim with her at her birthday party. See, she had just had her birthday party, and her sorry father sat over and talked to adults and didn't get in the pool and swim with her and play with her. And I should have, and I didn't. And so she called me on it. She, oh, see, I didn't get the feedback until, you know, days after the party happened. But in my mind, I didn't even think about it at the time that it meant that much to her, but it did. All right, what's the next one? This is Emily. Very interesting. One of the people are saying congula. I don't really even know. I think that means conga line or I don't know where she got it from, but that's her favorite word. You know, she wants, she wants me to play with them more. This is Emily. She wants daddy to come and play with. I don't know if that's capture the flag or I can't read it. Um, you know, she wants me to come play with them more. What does she not want me to do? Switch it. Keep going. Oh, this is, yeah. When they're playing video games, they start fussing and fighting with each other. And I yell at them to quit fussing and fighting, right? And so she wants me to stop yelling at them when they're fighting, playing video games. <laughs> All right. This is Jack. It's hard to see. This is a, a, a dad throwing the football with his son. And Jack said, Daddy, I really want you to play with me more and throw the football with me more. And the one he doesn't want, that's me raking. He doesn't want Daddy to rake leaves anymore. <laughs> because when Daddy rake leaves, Jack rake leaves. <laughs> smart man <laughs> he's very smart he knows when he rakes out this is taylor she wants me to swim with her more uh to go and and to play and to swim with them because when they go to the pool i'm usually at work or something and kelly takes them so i don't get to go and the next one is this that that's me saying hurry up because at night when they go to bed we send them all up to get ready for bed and bless her heart taylor is about five minutes off pace and so I'm putting people to bed, kissing, praying, hugging with them. And she's, her bed's still empty. And I'm like, hurry up, you know, because I've got to get downstairs and do whatever I'm supposed to be doing down there that's so important. Um, but that's, that's, that's what I got feedback-wise when I asked my children. And if you saw a theme there, the theme was my kids want me to spend more time with them. And there's also some things I can learn in there about what I do and don't do. And how I do it. But we don't get that constant feedback unless we ask for it. But today I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. If you go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter is writing to the leadership of the church. They call them elders. And Peter is is talking to the elders in the church about how they need to look over the people that are under them. To be the spiritual mentors to those leaders, other leaders in the church and those men underneath them. And I think this is a great scripture for us as dads to look at. Now, before you're, if you're in here, moms, uh, or or if you're not a mom or a dad, and you're in here, listen, this scripture is good for anybody. It's good for all of us. The the, the principles that we're going to talk about, if you put them to work in your life, they're good for you too. So don't disregard, say, oh, this is all for daddies, I don't have to listen. That's not true. But I am trying to focus on dads a little bit today. It's Father's Day. But look at verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ. Listen, Peter is telling them, listen, I am one of you. I have, I'm also... Uh, a Christian. I also have a relationship with Jesus. I have experienced the same thing you hit, you have with Christ. I, I'm also looking forward to the future glories that's going to be revealed. 
I am one of you. And listen, the, one of the first things is give your kids the gift of a dynamic and genuine faith. The gift of a dynamic and genuine faith, a faith that's alive, that's vibrant, that's active, that's ongoing, that's present tense. A present tense faith. What do I mean by that? See, so, so many times our faith has become stale and it's become yesterday and we're living on past glories. Oh, I remember a time when Christ moved in me and I remember a time when Christ did this and I remember a time when, when I was praying to God and he did this and we remember a time and we live on past glories. But if we look at today and how we're living right now, our faith is not alive, it's not vibrant, it's not active. We can't say this is what God's doing and I'm not saying it's wrong to look back and see what God's done and those, those flags and those markers He's put in our life. But listen, God should be working in your life right now. And see, your children need to see that. They need to see Him working in you. Because see, here's what happens. A lot of times as Christian parents, here's what we do. Is we hold our children to standards and to rules. If our faith is not alive and active and they... They don't see us praying. They don't see us reading God's word. They don't see us doing the things that God has told us to do. And they don't see it in us. And yet we're teaching them and telling them, this is what you, you better pray. You go do your quiet time. Then we just become legalistic. We just start talking about rules instead of the heart. And we disconnect the heart of what God wants for those kids. From, and we disconnect the heart and we just make it the rules. Now, rules are important. God wouldn't have given them to us if they wasn't. But when you remove it from a vibrant, active, dynamic, ongoing faith in your own life and you just hold them to rules, it, 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 it messes things up. And the greatest gift you can give to your kids is a dynamic and genuine faith. Not living in past glories. The second thing is this. Be gripped with the significance of your responsibility. Be gripped with the significance of your responsibility. Listen to what Peter says. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Be shepherds of God's flock. Okay? This flock that you've been given. Listen, we've all been given. If you're a dad, you've been given a little flock to watch over. And I think there's a reason why they use sheep in these things. Because, listen, most animals can find their way home. They have this built-in sense of I know how to get back where I started from. But if a sheep starts walking, they just keep going. They get lost. They don't know how to get home. They'll go to a place where there's no food, and guess what? They'll just starve to death. They can't protect themselves from from uh, animals that's going to come and kill them, predators. And so as children, listen, our job as parents is to shepherd and care for those kids, to take care of them, their physical needs, their emotional needs. And their spiritual needs. We're supposed to take care of them. And I like the way that the, the psalmist put it this way. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do, you, what do your children want? I'm not talking about exactly what they want because we know what they want. iPads, iPhones, pocketbooks with goofy names on it that don't matter but it evidently makes a big deal, costs a lot of money. They want name brand stuff. A lot of times, and a lot of times the wants that they have, they don't really need. But the want he's talking about here is, is the need. What's really needed. 
What do your children want? Are they in want of a dad that emotionally connects with them, gives them hugs, tells them he loves them, tells them he's proud of them? Do your children want for a dad who doesn't provide the basic needs they have? Food, shelter, clothing. See, we do that one usually pretty well. But do your children want spiritually? See, because I know we're not God, but we're to shepherd our families. We're to shepherd our children. We're to lead them to green pastures so that they can lie down and feel comfort. Be gripped with the significance of your responsibility. And then number three, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Learn to love the process, guys. Learn to love the process. Because, men, you know what we do. Confession time. We want to take it from point A to point B and get there as fast as we can, most efficiently as we can, and, and we want to get it and get it done. And that's why I'm yelling at my kids to hurry up. Get in bed so I can go watch TV or whatever it is I've got planned. Because I've got to get that done. That's something to check off my list. And it's so much more than that to your children. It's so much more than that. And we need to learn to love the process. By the time, you think about it, at 18 they leave us. So by the time they're 9 years old, we're halfway done with them. And we need to learn to love the process. And I, I can walk in my kids' room and I see the rocking chair there that I would sit in and rock my kids and read books to and sing songs terribly off-key to them and make mistakes on purpose so they would yell at me and I'd sing it again. And I don't know why they wanted to hear their daddy sing because I can't sing. But for them, they love that. See, dads, we need to learn to love the process and not just being trying to get it done. Because when we come home and we got all the stress and the, and the pressure of the day and we bring it home, our children are there, our flock is there, our sheep are there that we're supposed to take care of. They're there waiting for us to do that for them. And we need to learn to love the process. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Need to learn to love the process, not give them leftovers. He goes on to say in verse 3 not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. But being examples. How many of you would say, I hope my kids grow up to be just like me? That's tough, ain't it? That's why I, was, I felt the heat of that one when I said it. I hope my kids grow up to be just like me. Or could tell their children, hey, you follow me because I'm going to lead you to Christ. See, you have been given the job. Every dad's the family role model whether you want the job or not. It's your job, whether you want it or not. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. And if all the world's a stage, as he said, then... Every dad is always in the spotlight doing a one-man play for an audience that never leaves the theater. And those little theater goers don't forget a thing. 
It's your job. And they're going to follow you. They're going to become like you. Because you're the one they're looking at. So you better wise up and you better think about that. We are to be the examples. We are to show our children how to live by the way that you live. And one day when your children grow up and they're just like you, what are they going to be? There's a proverb that says, you don't build a marble tower out of mixture of manure and mud. And here's the thing I take comfort in. That God, in His grace and mercy, is squeezing the mud and the manure out of me. I hope, hopefully. That's a, that's a horrible illustration when you think about it real close. Don't think about it too much. But He's squeezing it out of me because I need to be a marble, right? I need to meet a marble tower, something that my kids can see that's lasting and that is real. I need to be that example. The last thing is this, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Live for what ultimately lasts. Live for what ultimately lasts. What's most important? Listen, it's great that your children get a college education. It's great that you push them to be all they can be on the sports field and join every sports team and be the the champions. It's great that they're in dance and they're all these things. But what happens when we get it all mixed up and we think that's what really matters? Because what really matters, what ultimately matters is what's going to last. And that's His kingdom. That's why the Bible tells us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Instead of building your own and teaching your children to build their own. Live for what ultimately lasts. I'm great that you've got a second job so that you can build that pool in your backyard. But if you are never with your children and you're out making money and trying to build your, top, your, your stuff and get all the things that you want and you're neglecting your children to do that, don't think that's a good thing. Don't pat yourself on the back. Well, I'm giving my kids this and giving my kids that. They need you to give them yourself. They need you to give them a dad that's following Christ and living for what ultimately matters. Because that's all that's going to last anyhow. We've got one small group leader. Uh, Mark White ends every one of his small group years with uh, a little conversation with his boys about, I think it's the 100-year test. Is that right, Mark? The 100-year test. What's this really going to matter in 100 years? And I love that he does that. I love that he helps those students get perspective on what really matters. What's really important. All that's really important anyway is him, right? Is Christ and what you do in him, for him, and through him. But here's some of my final thoughts, okay? Ladies, a, a dad can't be all, the dad he needs to be without support of, of, of a mom. He can't of a wife. He can't do it. He can't be the person he needs to be without you along his, by his side. There's a reason why God said it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needs a helpmate. Because he did. And we do. And so, listen. Don't ever belittle your husband or children's dad in front of them. Don't ever tear down their daddy in their eyes. 
Don't have those conversations with your children to make their dad seem smaller. The world's doing that enough. The world's beating on us enough. The world's tearing us down enough without you doing it as well. Now, I'm not saying your husband don't need you to beat him with a bat and kick him in the, in the seat of his pants every once in a while. But children don't need to deal with grown-up things, do they? And don't allow your children to talk bad about their dad. Don't let them talk negatively about him as well. You hold the standard. You say, you're not going to talk about your dad that way. Well, he's wrong. Well, you know what you're going to do? You're going to pray for him. Let's go pray for your dad right now. And let's go talk to your dad. Whatever you've got to do to uphold that standard of a dad. Because it's so important. And dads, it's not too late. It's not too late. I tell you what, there's. I, I watched a, a show about elephants. Elephants have incredible memories, right? I mean, that's what you always hear. I did learn they're not scared of mice. That's just an old. I don't know if it's an old wife's tale. I don't know who the old wife was that said all that stuff, but it's not one of hers, right? They're not scared of mice. They have great memories, though. That is true. Incredible memories. And what they do is they take a little baby elephant and put a giant chain on his leg. Big old chain. And that baby elephant will fight. They'll stake it in the ground. They stake that chain in the ground real deep. And that baby elephant will pull against that chain and pull against it and pull against it. And eventually he realizes he can't break that chain. It's staked. He can't break it. And so when they get older, all of a sudden they're these huge, hulking, massive beasts. And they can put a stake in the ground and tie a little flimsy rope on it and put it around their leg. Because, see, an elephant has an incredible memory. And they remember that no matter what they do, they can't break that. So they don't even try. They never even pick up their foot. They never even pick up their foot. Even though they could, have just, they could just sneeze and pull the stake right out of the ground. No big deal. Because they have great memories. But let me ask you something. Where is the stake? An elephant stake been driven in your mind? Where has an elephant stake been driven in your mind about mistakes that you've made? About things that you've done wrong? About challenges you had when you were young? Some third grade bully said, you're ugly. He's not smart. She's not pretty. And it drove those stakes in your, in your brain, in your mind, in your thoughts. Made a big mistake as a dad. You said some things you shouldn't or you yelled in a way that you shouldn't or, or you took things too far. You made some major mistakes and you drove a stake. And now all those stakes are driven in your mind and you're struggling to live the life you need to because you're chained by your past mistakes. Listen, God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants to remove that from your mind. He wants you to be the dad, the mom, the child that you need to be. That's why He forgives us of those past mistakes. Sometimes we have problems forgiving ourselves, don't we? But it's not too late for you, dads. If you've made a mistake, it's not too late for you to step up and be the right kind of dad, the dad that your children need, to be the example that they need. 
And so maybe you just need today to pull some of those stakes out. Maybe you need to come and ask God, say, God, I need you to remove that from me and help me to be the example to my children that I need to be. Maybe you need to forgive your dad for some of the mistakes he made. I don't know. But you know, right? So this morning, I want to open up the altar. And you have a choice, of course, when we come to these things. You can either deal with what God's telling you to do, or you can just ignore it and go home and act like this never happened. Chances are, I can ask you what Steve preached four weeks ago and you're not going to remember. There's a chance that if you don't deal with what God's telling you, if you don't get serious about it, then this sermon will be forgotten in about a week or two. Probably maybe by supper time. But it's not about what I preach. It's not about what I say. But it's about what God's Word is challenging us to. And it's time as dads that we take it serious and quit sitting on the back burner.